0: Lord jesus we we praise you today and it's good Friday and we remember what you've done for us lord today the the truth of the cross is is right in the forefront of our face it's right it's we're confronted by it and I pray tonight that as we simply go through your word and and look upon this this cross that we will be reminded of a, of a great love and while it's a love we can't fathom it's a love we can't get our minds around completely may we be in all of it and in reverence of it may we realize this love is so intense and so amazing for us may it just change our lives may it change the trajectory of our life from today through the rest of eternity may today be a day a turning point a very uh, important date in our lives where everything changes whether we have known you since we were young, or we are just getting to know you, may today be that day that, that, that changes the course of our own history. And may the name of Jesus be high and lifted up. Like, like your son on the cross, may, may the glorious name, name of Jesus be seen. That men and, and women and children and families may be saved. We give you the glory this morning, or this, this evening, for you have indeed paid it all. And you alone have paid it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Maybe may be seated. I want you to turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Excuse me. The Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four books in from the New Testament. As you're turning there, let me let me set a scene for you. It's been a long night. It's been a long day. You have been up all night. You have not rested. You have been following as quickly as you can the events that have escalated so quickly. One moment you were having the Passover meal with your friend. Your Rabbi, your Lord you were you were seeing the culmination of, of of what it truly meant to 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 celebrate the Passover to know that Jesus was going to be that lamb. you've gone from singing hymns and enjoying a meal and remembering deliverance to seeing that very friend Rabbi and Lord taken and imprisoned and chained and beaten and flogged and judged. And eventually crucified you saw him nailed to a cross like a murderer like a thief like a rapist like like the most vile human who's ever lived yet you know him you have seen him you have been with him for years you have walked with him in ministry you've watched him perform miracles open the eyes of the blind open the ears of the deaf and bring back the dead to life. You have seen him. You know him, and yet there he was hanging on that cross, and now he is dead. Your friend, who would never leave you nor forsake you, your 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 savior, who would save you, your your master, who would lead you, is gone. And it's evening time, and things are finally starting to quiet down. And everything that you've known for the past three years is seemingly gone on Good Friday some two thousand years ago the very Son of God died a sinners death though he had no sin as we read through the account we we read about him in the different Gospels standing before the Pharisees standing before Pilate being judged having the opportunity to be released but the people crying out for a murderer a zealot named Barabbas or Barsabbas and so Jesus was condemned to death what was his crime? proclaiming that he was the son of God proclaiming that he himself is the great I am telling everyone that the kingdom of God is near that he alone or through him alone was was found the forgiveness of sins that through him alone was was the path to God the Father that he and the Father were one it was his only crime and it cost him his life but yet we find that throughout all this this has been the plan in John chapter 19 Verse 28, as Jesus is hanging from the cross, as as he's endured the beatings and the floggings and being spit upon and the crown of thorns, having his robe put back on his bloody back, having it ripped off again, nailed to the cross, feet and hands, mocked by the people, he's, he's nearing the end. In verse 28 of chapter 19, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jarful of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine he said It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Tonight, church, it is finished, but, but what does that mean? What does it mean that it is finished? What is what is Jesus finished with? What 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 has been happening where did this all start? What has what has finished? When Jesus died, we read in Matthew 27, it was not like a normal man passing. The Bible says that there was a great earthquake. The earth shook at his death. You know, this is a very lame and pale comparison, but have you ever witnessed a power surge where an abundance of electricity comes through and seemingly powers everything around it and then blows everything up? Just overloads, too much. In my mind, that's how I see this happening. The Son of God dies and so much life is taken, so much life is extinguished that, that it just it disrupts all of the universe. This is not just a man dying, this is God dying. And so the earth shakes. It says that the tombs of the, of the saints that had fallen asleep, they, they arose, they came back to life. That In death, Jesus' death, that these people came back to life and went into town and, and met with people. Saw people, their family, their friends. They'd come back to life through the death of Jesus. And most importantly, it says that in the temple, where the Jews would go and offer sacrifices, where where once a year in the Holy of Holies, a a priest, the high priest, would go in and make sacrifice for the sin of the Israelites, the sin of the Jewish people. So that great curtain, huge, thick, majestic, beautiful, intricately made, heavy, was torn in two, just ripped from top to bottom. That where, where one man had simply had access once a year, we now all had access to the holiest of holy places. Not because we could all go into that place, but because that place had been expanded. There was no longer a need to go to that specific holy place. We now could be with God and He could be our, we could be his people. The death of Jesus was more than just the death of a man. The death of Jesus was the death of God. When he says, it is finished, he's talking more of, not just about the events of the day. I've been crucified, it's finished. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. The cross makes little sense unless we understand the beginning, the, the, the creation of the world. In Genesis chapter 3, God has gone and he has made all things. And after making light and land and water and animals, he has said, it is good. But then he creates man, he creates Adam, the first man, and, and he's alone. And God says, that this is not so good. It is not good for Adam to be alone. So he puts Adam to sleep, takes the rib, forms the woman, gives her breath, and then presents to Adam his wife, Eve. And we're probably all pretty familiar with that story. We're also familiar with the next chapter of that story. Adam and Eve sin. They don't just screw up, it's not a little flub. They rebel against God. God tells them, See this tree? Knowledge of good and evil, do not eat of it. Anything else, go ahead. Knowledge of good and evil, do not eat. Satan comes in the form of a serpent, serpent excuse me. tempts them, they eat. From that point, they know they're naked. They, they have, their eyes have been opened. They are, they are sinners now. They have sinned against God. They have rebelled against him. And God steps in. Not to change his plan, but to keep going in the plan that he has already set in place. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 says, After judging Adam, after judging Eve for their sin, he turns to the serpent, he turns to Satan and says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Enmity is, is war division. How many of you remember the Cold War between our country and Russia? That was enmity. You know, bullets weren't flying, missiles weren't going anywhere, but there was a war going on. And everybody knew it. Between us and God, there's been this this Cold War. We just there's division. Have you ever just lived life and felt the chaos and the tension? And no matter how perfect things get, for a moment, it just collapses so quickly and you realize this is empty, this is void, this is nothing, this is fleeting, this is passing. That, that I'm not at rest. I just, As much as I have set up everything for my comfort, there is no rest in this. That's because there is enmity, there is war between the sinful man and the holy and perfect and sinless God. And God tells this serpent, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. And her seed, singular, singular, her seed is going to come and he's going to crush your head, the King James Version said. He is not just going to bruise, he's going to crush. You're going to get his heel. I mean, you're going to take a part of him. You're going to crush him, but he's going he's to crush you from the top down. He is going to kill you. This is what we know as the first prophecy of the coming Messiah, the Son of God coming to, to make all things new. When Jesus on the cross cries out with his last breath, it is finished. This is what he has finished. The war between God and man is satisfied. You see, many, many feel or believe or think or teach or preach that God sees your sin and just turns a blind eye to it. Maybe winks at it and says, hey, that's, that's okay, come along. That's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that sin creates this war. It's, it's, it's created this environment of war between us and God. And, and without an act of God... To satisfy it, it will never be satisfied. And the best picture I can give you of the purpose and the reason and the imagery of the cross, if you can imagine yourself on on the floor, prostrate before God, anticipating His wrath being poured out like a, like a pitcher poured out upon you, a pitcher of, of water. It's the wrath of God poured out on you. And before it hits you, The Son of Man, Jesus, he steps in in front of it and says, I will take it. He is mine, and I am his, and I will endure his wrath for his sin. Church, when we give our life to Jesus, the slate's not wiped clean because God just winks an eye or, or just forgets. It's because the wrath that you deserve was poured upon Jesus. Those lashes on his back, those nails in his feet, those nails in his hands, the crown of thorns, and the mockings and the beatings those were meant for us, for all of eternity. However, God himself comes to satisfy his own wrath. Jesus would rather die than be away from you. Jesus would rather die than have you die without him. Jesus would rather endure the cross so that you would only have to carry your cross. Church, we carry our cross not to be nailed to it because Jesus already has been. We carry our, cro- our cross, we carry our burdens because this life is hard and arduous and, and there are going to be battles each and every day. But see, the first thing we've got to do, the, the thing that we've got to accept here today is that Jesus is not just God, He's not just a Savior, He is ours, and we are in desperate need of Him. The 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 clearest marker for me, as I observe, and it's it's not it's not not my approval you need, but when I look upon a person, when I observe them, and, and and I hear them talk, whether they say they're a Christian or not a Christian, or they talk a big game or or whatever, I see I find a person who is never quite satisfied with themselves and I know that they are looking to a holy God. If you're looking to an everyday average Joe God, you're probably stopping up and saying, Man, I'm doing all right. But when you put yourself up against a holy, pure, sinless, perfect God, you walk away always saying, I'm just I'm just not good enough. But rather than leave you in this place of guilt and condemnation, God the Father sends the Son to die in your place to lift you up. The Bible says, so that we might become the children of God. I don't know about you, and I don't don't say this lightly, but there are few few titles that we are given as Christians that are more endearing to me than that of being a child of God. Being blessed with children myself, I know, I know the privilege, the joy that I, that I derive from just being their parents. And I understand the security at, at, at the ages of, of seven and four. I understand the security and the joy and the freedom and the liberty that they have by simply being my child. There are certain places, positions, and things I have them do and lead them into because they are my child. I don't do this with every child I don't I don't try to rear everybody's children I have mine and I lead them and they go where I go and where they go I go and protect them and I watch for them and I see things that they don't see and I and I hear things that they don't hear and I can observe and understand things that they can't understand and observe yet and I and I wonder if God our Father, the good Father, the good Dad, who's so much better than me, that, that, that makes me look like the sinner that I am, if He is not so much more and so much better at this than me, that, that as I am a child of God, that He leads me into places that, that I need to go, and He can see farther than I can see, and He can hear things that I cannot hear, and He can feel things that I simply will not or cannot feel. Being a child of God, if that is the title, if that is the position he has given me, then I can trust him and when it comes to the gospel and what comes to jesus ninety nine percent of the time, it's a lack of trust that we have that causes us not to follow him because we have been hurt by other people. You see when we preach that that Adam and Eve have sinned and we have all sinned ourselves that means we've sinned against people and they sinned against us. Not only have have we gone out and sinned, people have sinned against us. We bear the scars of what people have done to us. and we can't we can't get that out of balance. We have to We have to see them both equally. We have sinned and been, been sinned against, and we need to to be forgiven for our sins, but we need to be healed of the sins that have happened to us, the people who have been negligent with their words. Who have said things fleetingly and flippantly, not thinking about how they reverberate in our minds. And they tell us that we're worthless or stupid or unwanted or unloved or, or 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 just nothing. When people have hit us or struck us or abused us, when they've neglected us or abandoned us, when they've promised to be with us forever, but yet at the first moment they they flee and some for some of you i'm not describing a co-worker or an acquaintance or a friend i'm describing your mom or your dad or your children and that's that's like the dagger in the back being twisted it's so much more painful and without christ you will never be forgiven of your sins and you'll never be healed of your hurts but praise the lord Praise God that Jesus has died on the cross, that that everything needed to be reconciled between God and man has been done through the blood of Jesus on his cross. Church, today all that's left is your faith. Will you believe? Not just not just in the same way that you believe that a computer works, not in the same way that you believe that that flowers will bloom but will you believe in such a way that it will alter everything about you it will change how you talk it will change how you walk it will change how you converse with people how you react to tragedy how you react to trial how you will react to him see my, my fate. I don't like corny pastor jokes um you can buy books full of them Let's go to the Christian bookstore I'm not a big fan of them, but there is one um, that has profoundly impacted me, and I share it more often than any other corny pastor joke. Um, Or or maybe it's a corny pastor illustration. That's really what it is. It's not funny. Um, And being a joke implies that it's funny. Um, Man sets up a rope across Niagara Falls. Says, do you believe, and he has a wheelbarrow. He tells his friend, do you believe I can push this wheelbarrow across this a tightrope across Niagara Falls and his friend says I believe that you can and so his friend with the wheelbarrow says okay get in the wheelbarrow you see there's a belief that is different standing on the sidelines isn't there a belief that says oh sure Jesus oh I know it's time for church again time for Good Friday service time for Easter service you know oh where'd the time go it's time for Christmas service see, there's a belief that keeps you distant and on the sidelines On the outside but there's a belief that says yes here is all of me yes I will get in the wheelbarrow yes I will put everything that I have into God's basket I will hold nothing back I will not reserve I will not keep a foot outside the door I will not look for my first escape I am here with Jesus should he falter or fail then I am in trouble but good news we lean upon a God Who is immovable we lean upon a God who is unshakable who will never leave us forsake us fail us or abandon us church belief goes from yeah Jesus existed I get it to without him I am nothing my joy is whatever brings him joy my peace is found in peace with him Matthew seven, excuse me, Matthew five, I believe it is. Jesus said, "Blessed are the peacemakers." World's been working on peace for thousands of years, and it's not working out too well, is it? There is no peace. There is no peace to be. We can't find peace in our own families, let alone nation amongst nation. Amen. But we can find peace with God, and if we will find peace with God, all of eternity will be settled and the wars of this time can be fought in a whole different manner we can go and and take captives snatch them away from hell bring them into the kingdom of god let them find jesus so that they might be found amen believing in jesus giving yourself to him completely is entirely different than just yeah he exists james the brother of jesus in the book that he wrote he said even the demons believe in Jesus. Even they shudder at his name. But that doesn't make them Christians. Satan knows who Jesus is. J- Satan believes in Jesus. That does not make him a Christian. That does not make him a follower of Christ. That, if anything, condemns him to hell even more. And the same thing for the demons, and the same thing for unbelievers. Colossians 1 and 15 says this. He, this is is Jesus, chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross church now we can understand the mathematics of the cross okay i'm a sinner jesus died on the cross i believe i'm forget- forgiven forgiven okay we understand the mathematics of but but understand Colossians 1 and 15 you were created through Jesus by Jesus for Jesus you were not created for wrath though through unbelief that's what you will endure but you weren't created for that you were created for Jesus he He wanted you to exist, that he might love you. Pastor Tony, I don't know what real love looks like. I understand. This is why we need our minds renewed by the word of God, by by verses like Colossians 1 and 15 and 16. You have been created by a perfect God, and and though you bear the marks of your sin, you are being made brand new, because Jesus loves you. Let those words ring in your ears tonight. Let them, let them dig deep down into your mind, heart, soul, and spirit that Jesus, the Christ, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, all things created for him, through him, by him, he loves you. And your evidence is this cross and, and the blood that he shed for you. Now, church, I I cannot believe for you. I can simply share with you, preach to you, proclaim to you the gospel of Jesus. Every, Every time I preach, whether it be a Sunday, a Wednesday, or a Friday like tonight, I am trusting the gospel. I am trusting that the message that God has given us to proclaim is so much more powerful than even the voice that I have. One last verse before we're done. Matthew chapter 10. Um, a, a Supposedly, it's springtime here in New York. Amen? Supposedly. Um, one of the first evidences that, that, that springtime is going to stick is the return of the robins. Anybody seen any robins around? I've seen some in my yard. I've seen... One come into my yard, watch another one swoop down and get him out of there, digging for worms, looking for stuff. You, see the, you, hear, you hear them chirping in the morning. You hear, you hear birds just singing. It's, it's a beautiful reminder that winter is, is dying and spring is coming and bringing life with it. Matthew 10 and 29 says this, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Think about those tiny birds, little as they are. The Bible says that, and Jesus specifically says that those little birds, God knows all about them. He He knows every feather, He knows every intricacy, and not one of them dies, not one of them passes without him knowing it. See, some people believe that when someone dies, it's it's as though Satan has won. It does not. It's, that's not true. That even a bird falling from the sky and dying, that the Father knows about it. And not just knows about it, I mean, this is all part of His plan. This is all part of His redemptive work. Jesus says in verse 30 But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. If God looks upon a tiny bird, whose life is is even more fleeting than our own so fragile so small so annoying at times i mean he looks upon that bird and he, he knows it how much more important are you to him jesus says more than many sparrows the the very hairs in your head are numbered He knows everything about you and yet doesn't run away. He doesn't care about your uh, addictions in the sense that, that it will keep him away from you. He has died that you could be liberated from those things. He has died that you might be delivered from your anger or your malice or your bitterness. He has died so that you might be liberated from all sorts of sins. Jesus loves you. And tonight, you are challenged to trust him and take him at his word for that. I decided many years ago, yes, Lord, I trust you. I believe you. I accept you. And then I had to do it again because I didn't take the first time very serious. And then I had to do it again because I didn't take that time very serious either. It's sort of a trend in many people's lives. Maybe you're not like me. And then finally one day it stuck. I don't know. I, I I don't know how God got a hold of me. What was different? But when I was 24 years old, that was it. Boom. God and me together, and that's it. And we've been through so many things: tragedy, triumph, trial, tribulation, joys, depressions, just everything, every circumstance, every emotion. And yet, here we are, some 12, 13 years later, and I am leaning on Him more than I ever have. And for some of you, you've done it two, three, and four times that that amount. You have trusted in the Lord for decades. And you know what it means to follow Jesus. But for some of you, you do not. Today is your day. Let's stand, let's pray. How do you respond to this? Here's how you respond. Number one, surrender. If there is a war and you are battling Jesus, I don't care how strong you are, big you are, how much knowledge you have, you will lose. Your only chance is surrender. If God is your opponent. We are not told to surrender to Satan, to sin, to death. We are not to... Uh, We are to flee from sin, but from Jesus, we surrender. We wave the white flag. We raise our hands. That's why many times during worship, people are like this. They're just giving up all over again. Jesus, I surrender to you. You need to surrender today. You need to repent. You are a sinner, and you need forgiveness. And praise God through Jesus, you have forgiveness. And you don't have a God who comes to remind you that you're a sinner. You have a God who comes to say, hey, you're my kid. You're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're not reminded constantly, hey, remember when you did this? That's Satan's job. No, you have a God that reminds you, remember when I took that for you? Remember when I died for that for you? You, know, you don't need to fret over that anymore. I've taken care of that. That is not your worry or burden, that is mine now. Repent of your sin. Walk away from it. Turn around. That's all repentance is. You don't you don't make an offering at church. You don't light a candle. You don't have a holy man come over. You just say, "Lord, I am sorry," and I turn away from my sin. You worship God. In Luke chapter 7, there's a woman who falls at Jesus' feet, and she cries so much that her tears wash Jesus' dirty feet. And she takes her hair to wipe away the tears and the dirt and the muck that's on his feet. This is worship. Not, not how much you give. Not how many times you've gone to church. But how you submit to him. Jesus says those who, who seek high positions, they get brought low. But those who start low, they get brought up. This woman never didn't stay at Jesus' feet. Because Jesus had his foot on her throat. She stayed at Jesus' feet because she loved him and he first loved her. And lastly, be loved and love Jesus back. The Bible says that before we ever asked for forgiveness, Jesus died on our behalf. That while we were still sinners, Jesus loved us. Be loved by your Savior tonight. Let's close our eyes. Let's close in prayer wanna play real quick are you good bring the baby up I'll hold her I don't care just play something soft and pretty but this is the time where where we make an altar call or an appeal where where you give your life to Jesus truthfully you can do this anywhere you don't have to do it in a church at an altar you can do it in your car in your bed on your sofa at your job in the cafeteria wherever you're at Walmart the parking lot every moment is an opportunity to give your life to Jesus but we're gonna we're going to seize this moment and if today is the day you're going to give your life to Jesus and I beg I implore with everything I have that you would then let us celebrate and and for the Christian that's what makes f- this Friday good. Jesus' death has paid for our sin. So let's close our eyes, let's bow our heads. Jesus, we love you. And as we look upon this cross and we, and we know that you have died and we know that you bled and we know that you were beaten and we know that you were broken. We know what Isaiah 53 says, that you were, you were broken, you were pierced, you were crushed for our sin, our iniquity. Not your own, for you were without it. But yet you willingly went to the cross. You willingly laid your holy life in the hands of impure people that you might defeat sin, Satan, and death, that you might indeed crush the head of Satan under your heel. But now, Lord, the only only bondage we have, the only only sin that we are responsible for is that which we will refuse to let go of. And so, Jesus, I pray for your people. As I think about those in the room, there are some here who have been following you faithfully for decades of time, longer than I've been alive, Lord. There are some who have held up that facade, but have never really committed to you. I pray tonight, Lord, that this is the night they give their life to you. That this indeed would be a good Friday. Not just for today, but for all of eternity. That today would be the day that they begin living truly. Your word says that you came to give life and life more abundantly, Lord. So I pray for that abundant life for them today. And so let's keep our eyes closed. Let's bow our heads. Let's have some some respect for those that are around us. If you could just raise your hand if today's that day for you. I'm not asking you if you have all of it figured out. I'm not asking if you know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. I'm not asking if you understand the whole Bible. What I'm asking you is if today's message hit your heart in such a way that you cannot avoid it and you know that it is Jesus that you must submit your life to if that is you today raise your hand Jesus for those with their raised hands they give their lives to you and I pray for them Lord as their pastor and as the preacher and the minister here Lord I lift them up to you Lord not because my prayers are special but because I am here and they are here and we are together we lift them up to you Lord That today would mark the brand new life that you have given them, Lord. That they would see more fully who you are. That they would understand your word. That they would be thirsty and hungry for it. And that life would change for them. Whether they have a few years left or a few decades left. Whether they outlive all of us, Lord, may every day of this life be lived for Jesus, be lived for you. And then at the end, may we all rejoice together as we read the book of Revelation and we see the multitude like a sea of glass roaring like thunder, worshiping the sun. May we all join in together at the foot of your throne, proclaiming holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. And may you take each one of these people's hands, whether they raise their hand or not, Lord, may you take them and lead them so gently. Psalm 23 says that you are the good shepherd that that knows what we need and that we're not in want of anything, that you lead us to green grass and still waters, that you correct us when you need to, but that you love us. We love you, Lord. Be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.